Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. <laughs> Happy Monday. It's welcome Monday. To, welcome to Monday. Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast. We're glad you're here. We are glad that you're here. We want to give a special shout out to uh, Ranjit. Ranjit. Yeah. Happy you, birthday, man. I hope you're listening. Yeah. I think he does. I think so. He asks for my autograph every time I see him. Does he? No, does he, he ask doesn't. you to sign his Bible? <laughs> yes. I signed every student's Bible in our ministry. Really? Yes. Okay. We'll talk about that. Okay. Does he ask you to sign his flute? <laughs> no, he didn't. Or, nor his piccolo. Or his piccolo. Yeah. Neither have been asked to be signed. I wonder if he has a Fruity Pebbles piccolo. Fruity Pebbles piccolo? What are you talking about? Fruity Pebbles pickle from the State Fair. Oh, pickle. I Come think he's a piccolo. Dude, I misunderstood. Dad the dad joke. We're both dads. Come on. I didn't hear that. Sorry. I mean, teed it up and it just fell flat. I missed it. Nobody, nobody else got it either. I don't think they did. It's the worst day ever. You know what you need? Some vitamin B. Vitamin I-B-L-E. Bible. Yep, that's right. Yes, that's the book for me. That's right. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Isaiah chapter 59. All right. And 60. And then let's, let's throw 61 in there too. Because 60... Because 59 and 60 weren't enough. 61. Yeah. Let's just do it. And then first, that's four. Well, guess what? You get to find out what God's will is for your life. That's right. It says it as plain as the nose on the end of your face. It's easy. Have you ever seen those things, those Instagram reels that pop up from time to time that give random facts? Like one of them is you always see your nose. But your brain blocks it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is. It is. Yeah. The nose is weird. There's yeah. so much about just that physical appearance of people that is that's just god created us and designed us but it's like huh okay like ears get <laughs> okay yeah tell us about it it's just no i've gotten I, we need to get to isaiah 59 because otherwise <laughs> it's gonna be 10 minutes i just was i don't know why i just the nose is weird it's like let's have this appendage and let's poke a couple holes in it and uh the nose could have been anywhere else gonna in the be body kind of able to to taste through it but in like a a less intense kind of a way yeah well smell yeah smell and taste are working together so it makes sense to me it's next to your mouth which corresponds to your experience of foods and flavors right but you're not going to be able to avoid the bad smells whereas with the mouth you can close your mouth and avoid the bad tastes you can stop breathing through your nose you can just breathe through your mouth (sighs) yeah like that i guess that's true anyways isaiah 59 hey um isaiah 59 1 the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. What an amazing promise that is, um, that there's no one outside of his reach. There's no one outside of, uh, calling to the Lord. We didn't cover it, but earlier in Isaiah, he had that passage where he said, seek the Lord while he may yet be found, call upon him while he is near. And here Isaiah is saying, or God is saying through the prophet, Hey, look, my arm is not too short that it can't still redeem. My, my ear is not too dull, even in the midst of your idolatry, even in the midst of your rank hypocrisy, even as he goes on to say, look, your iniquities have made the separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Yet, if I, I think what's being implied here is if a genuine and humble contriteness, like we talked about yesterday, is demonstrated from the people, his arm is still long enough that it can redeem and his ear will still hear the the repentant heart when the heart returns to him. I think that's the key, isn't it? Repentant. It's the humble heart that's, that's reaching out to God that he will never despise. Yeah. But 
Unfortunately, as the rest of the chapter unpacks here, that's not what we find. In fact, verse seven, the description of the people, their feet run to evil. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Uh, Verse nine, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. That theme of justice and righteousness uh, evading the people or being far from the people shows up time and again here in these chapters. But um, basically, this is the prophet just saying, yes, we are guilty. He's lamenting the state of the people of Israel and he's owning the guilt corporately he's saying yeah god's exactly right we have n- nothing to to say other than yes we are guilty of Sounds these like things Romans one yeah yeah um verse 14 justice is turned back right again the co- combination of justice and righteousness not being available to the people justice turned back righteousness stands far away uh, but then you've got this uh, this glimpse of hope still at the end of chapter 59 uh, verse 17 god has put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head those those sound like familiar uh Might have elements heard that of, of armor yeah Verse 20, and the Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. There it is. We just talked about it. Repentance. There it is. Right in uh, in verse 24. Those are the ones that he will hear and that he will deliver and he will save. And so I, I think this chapter is encouraging for you if you have somebody in your life who is not following after the Lord and you've shared the gospel with them and you've prayed for them and you've they've heard it from you time and time again or, and, and they're just, they're not there. I think this chapter provides some hope that you can continually go to the Lord. I remember as a, a men's pastor, or talking with men whose wives were unbelievers or who ki- whose kids were unbelievers. And I used to say to them, hey, look, if you've got today, go to the mat in prayer with, and, and wrestle for their souls with God, you know, plead for their souls mm-hmm. that God would save them because of passages like this, they, that if they will repent, if they will come, if they will believe, if they will trust, then there is salvation and redemption available. Amen to that. I really appreciated the uh, the armor of God, which of course, if you know your Bible, you know Ephesians chapter six is where you're going to see a fuller development of that. Um, and what we notice here is that the armor of God is is God's armor himself. God himself wore the armor, which I think is an allusion to what Jesus wore. Uh, verse 15, the Lord saw it, displeased him, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. And then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Um, he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Uh, the divine warrior arms himself for battle against his enemies. In yours and in, in yours, in my case, uh, Ephesians chapter six, we have enemies that we can't see. They're invisible powers and principalities that we always got to be geared up for. So look to your Lord and Savior for the exemplar. Uh, but make no mistake, you should be doing that today as well. Chapter 60 then shifts the focus forward in this, again, the cycle that we talked about yesterday, the, the cycle is moving into the good again here. And so in chapter 60, the, the focus moves to um, the millennial kingdom again with Israel here. And she is um, uh, the one that is going to shine for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise the glory, light, brightness, rising, all of those references to light there in these opening verses. And that's going to be indicative of eternity. In fact, it says there's no night there in eternity. It, it, it probably would be helpful if you would to go and read in concert with this, not to add more to your daily operating, but I'll, I'll do it unapologetically actually um, to go read revelation 21 through 22, because so much of what we see depicted there comes through in some of these themes here in these chapters, not just these, but also in tomorrow's reading as well. There's a lot there about what God is talking about here. Um, in fact, the verse five, uh, the abundance of the sea shall be the wealth of the nation shall come to you. That's specifically talked about 
about there in that passage in Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 27. He picks up again on it over in verse 11. Your gates are going to be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of nations. That's exactly what's happening on the new earth there in that scene in Revelation 21 and 22. So this is forward looking, I think, to beyond even the millennial kingdom and even into the eternal state on the the new heavens and the new earth. Which is hard because I think the thread is woven so tightly here. It's hard to see which one we're looking at on occasion. Um, The reason though we can be confident that some of this is beyond the millennial kingdom is because of the reference to there not being any light or, or there's no sun or moon anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This gives us an indication. Okay. We're not talking just about the millennial kingdom anymore. We're talking about the future eternal kingdom where Christ himself is our light. So it's, it's hard. And, and again, we're looking at the mountain peaks, a certain angle. They're all kind of bunched up together. Isaiah's doing this. And I wonder how much Isaiah actually knew when he was writing this down. Was he aware of what he was saying in terms of all that it meant? Probably not. But God knew, and, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so great that we we live in the year twenty twenty three, and we have still, still <laughs> we we have access to all of God's word. And in, in, I mean, I you have a, a soft cover, I have a hard cover. We've got thirteen translations on our phones and our devices. This is we have such an embarrassment of riches. This we is do. so cool because we, we can study God's word and understand these things better than any previous generation. Yeah, but do we understand it better than any previous generation? I don't think so. Hey, so then if the sun's no more, there's not going to be any eclipses. Oh, because nothing will eclipse the glory of God. I think that's why the sun's here. Right. That's cool. Right. It's a bummer though. I kind of like eclipses. Although if we have the power of flight, like Jesus seems to have, I might just fly to another galaxy where that ha- where it still happens. If there's a sun in another galaxy? Yeah. A sun is just a star. So I just go find another galaxy where there's a sun and a star that, you know, another satellite thing that goes around the sun. But also we're compared to stars in first Corinthians 15 that shine in difference in, in brilliance from one degree to another. That's true. So maybe if you want to see an eclipse, just find somebody shining a little bit brighter than you <laughs> and stand in front of them and take a selfie. <laughs> okay. I just prefer to fly. Okay. I'll do that. Isaiah 61, uh, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty. This is Jesus response when the disciples of John go to him and say, are you the one? Um, this is not Jesus response when the disciples of John go to him and say, are you the one? I apologize. This is the passage that Jesus read in the temple or in the synagogue rather when he sat down and said today, this, this verse has been fulfilled in your presence. Sorry. That's what this is referring to. Not the response to, to John similar concepts in, in part, but, right. um, this is the, the, you remember Jesus was there. It uh, shows up in, in Matthew, in Mark and in Luke, not in John, but in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And he reads from the scroll, hands the scroll back and says today, this, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is saying, that's who I am. This is referring to so me. Cool. Yeah. We're reading the same words that Jesus himself read. I mean, that's cool. It is. This was Jesus Bible. And this is when he read this, whenever he did for the first time, he said, this is about me. Yeah. This is, that's amazing. And, and furthermore, uh, he, he begins a second, the first part of verse two, and he stops right before he gets to the, the part about the day of vengeance of our God. So he recognizes that this is a, this is a multiple time frame fulfillment. He fulfills verse one and the first part of verse two, but not verse two B 
yet. Right. Not yet. So cool, man. I read, Jesus read this. This is so cool. I'm reading Jesus Bible. It is. It is really cool. Yeah. He had the English standard version. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leather bound, I think. Yeah. I Study think so. Bible version. Yeah. Verse 10 is a, a cool picture too. I will greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest in a beautiful headdress. They're just a, a picture of the, the redeemer, a picture of the Messiah. Um, is is a, a just a, a, an awesome image there. Super cool. Yep. Well, hey, flip over with us to our New Testament passage, First Thessalonians chapter four. I'll where scroll I, over. I told you that you are going to find out what God's will is for your life. Wow. God's will for your life. You ready? Here it is. Yes, yes, yes. Does it matter what sign I am? It does not. If I'm a Leo or or a what Enneagram or number you are. I'm, I'm a seven. Actually, okay. I know what number I am. Well, your God's will for your life okay, and for you listening is this Rub one word hands together sanctification. That's it. Boring, bro. That's it. And, and in context, he's addressing a situation facing the Thessalonian church. there, specifically dealing with the concept of sexual immorality. And he's saying, Hey, you need to know that you need to learn to control your bodies. You need to discipline yourselves. And, and that's what he means there by, by vessel in some translations. And he says, not in the lust of passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God. In other words, church, there should be a difference when it comes to, uh, to the ethics of purity in the church from the world. The church should look different from the world. And that's so important for us today. When we look at what's going on in a lot of the, the realm, if you've been listening to things like the briefing recently, you may have heard of how, uh, what's been going on with Andy Stanley's church, what's been going on with the Catholic church, even with this temptation to say, Hey, the Catholic church, the Pope said, Hey, we're not recognizing, uh, marriage between man and a man and woman and woman. However, maybe there's a way we can bless it. No, there needs to be a different ethic uh, when it comes to those things within the church and the church needs to stand out. And that begins in the life of the individual because God wants your holiness. And that's what that word sanctification means. It's the same word that is the root from where we get our word saint from. Mm. And so, as you're thinking about what does God want from my life, whether it's this area or whether it's another area, he wants your sanctification. And I think this carries forward because this is a pretty, this is a, pretty clear statement from Paul. This is God's will for your life, your sanctification. Right. And then he explains in this context what that means, but that's true of every context. You're deciding where you want to go to college, right? Maybe you've got a kid that's going to be making that decision down the road. One of the guiding factors for where they should go to school is where are they going to grow more like Jesus better? You could have two, two colleges that both accepted them and they could be equally weighted as far as academics go. They could have the same opportunities there, but maybe one is by a great church. They should go to that that college. Why? Right. Because they're going to grow in Christ likeness in that environment more than going to another one where it's a, a weaker spiritual environment there. So this concept can apply far beyond what we read here in dealing with sexual immorality. It's so true. And, and it should be applied that way. I think in verse one that Paul gives us kind of leverage to think about it that way. He says, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you've received from us, how you ought to walk and please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Sanctification doesn't have an endpoint. I mean, at least not until we die, not right. until Jesus comes back, comes back. Right. Uh, until then, we have more growth to pursue. We have greater godliness to grow into. We have more to gain from serving Christ and looking like Christ than we did in any time prior. That is to say, we never reach a finish line. We're never done. We should never grow complacent in our walk with Christ. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. Verse one gives us every confidence that we should understand it that way and see it to infiltrate every aspect of our lives. Yep. Well, let's talk about the rapture. Ooh. The rapture. 
uh, you may be throwing a flag on the play going, it doesn't say rapture. You're right. It doesn't say rapture. In fact, the word rapture doesn't occur anywhere in the Bible, but the concept is what we uh, hold and what we teach and what we believe taught here in first Thessalonians chapter four, as Paul is talking about the return of Christ. And it says there in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left will be, here's the concept caught up. We will be raptured. We will be taken up to up to be, to be with him together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. And so this is what we as the, the church believe is the, the rapture. This is, is what we're talking about when we say, we are a pre-trib rapture position. What we believe is that this is going to take place before the tribulation period, which is going to be the seven-year time of Jacob's trouble, Jacob being another name for Israel. So that seven-year time of Jacob's trouble where God deals with his people here and purifies his people and, and calls out the, the remnant, the 144,000 there from there, the, the church is, is not present. The church has been taken to be with the Lord. At the end of that seven-year period is when the millennial kingdom will kick off and the church will come back with Christ to reign with him during that period, but the rapture is when when we go to be with the Lord, and that's what we believe is being taught here. Some will say this is just the return of the Lord to begin and inaugurate His His the eternal state here that He's returning, and and that's what this is depicting. But it's confusing language if that's the case, because the believers are being caught up in the air with Him. If this is Him coming back permanently to dwell on earth and to set up the 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 final eternal state here, well, then it's like it's it's a a, a hop. We're, we're, yeah. we're being caught up to just come straight back down, right? It's like, well, why are the why are we going up to meet him in the air? Why not just wait for him to get here if this is him coming to set up the final eternal state? So I don't mean to oversimplify, but I, I do think there are, even though the word rapture does not occur in the scriptures, I believe the passages like this and others give us firm footing in believing that that's what's going to happen. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the term comes from the Latin Vulgate, which uses the word rapturo. The harpazo is the word to be that, caught up. To right. be caught up, right? Rapturo. So it. it it is in the Bible, just not your English Bible. Fair. And when we use it, we're trying to we're trying to understand. Okay, how does Scripture talk about uh, this? This verse here, this passage. How does Scripture? paint the picture for us. And it seems like this is a different event on the eschatological calendar. At least yeah. it seems to be that way. Yeah. We could be wrong. And I guess that we, not that we're not convict, convinced that this is a right position. Um, others would disagree with us. And they went to answer the question. Well, why is, why are we jumping into the air and, and going with Jesus? Well, some would say, well, that we're, that we're ushering him back. His loyal subjects are ushering him to his new kingdom. And you're chuckling over there. <laughs> I see that. Uh, but in, in any case, this yeah. is our best read on the scenario. We think it's it's a it's a well founded position, uh, and so we think it we commend it to you. Yeah, are those the same people that sing songs that welcome the Holy Spirit into the church too? Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no. It's it, it, to Pastor Rod's point. This is not a tier one issue. Uh, this is an issue where good and godly, intelligent believers disagree with each other, and that's that's okay. But as your pastors, it's important that we land. You will find churches that go, well, we're going to just hold these things open-handed. We don't, we don't, you know, we're, we're fine with whatever. Look, if, if you're attending a church and you're undecided on some eschatological matters, that's, that's one, one thing. thing, right? But if, if your pastors are, aren't giving you clear direction and guidance, that's, that's an abdication of their responsibility and their duty. Uh, you have a, a, they have a job to instruct and lead. And, and part of that is to give you clarity and, 
with humility to say, hey, there, there are believers that disagree, but here's why we have conviction that this is what's true. Um, anything less than that is, is uh, I, I don't think is, is a proper execution of the role in the office. So um, this is a matter that you need to look for clear direction from your pastors on. Uh, but if, if at the end of the day, you would say, you know what, I, I appreciate that. I think I take a different position on that. Uh, this is not a tier one gospel issue where we would say, okay, we're going to divide fellowship over this. Yeah. And it has implications for a lot of things, guys. You, you have to take our word on it, that it, it's important that your pastors be in lockstep with one another because there's implications for how you understand the rest of scripture. Yeah. Um, there's interpretive question marks that you're going to need to say, okay, depends on what you think about this, this, and that. This is one of those areas. So we wouldn't say it's going to make you a Christian versus not a Christian. You should show grace to people that have a different position, but we're, con- we're convinced this is the right way. And you should be thankful that your pastors do believe in lockstep with one another and God willing will hire people like this. Yep. Well, hey, we're grateful that you joined us again for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. And if the rapture doesn't happen tonight, (laughs) uh, we'll see you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. I'm praying for the rapture. So hopefully we don't see you. Pastor Rob wants to fly before he dies. That's right. We'll catch you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm